Hey guys, welcome to episode 54 of the JV Club. Impossible not to laugh through that one because as many of you know, in uh, the last episode I said, do I say the intro the exact same way, like with the exact same notes every time? And uh, several of you were up to that challenge of uh, putting together some... uh, some or all of the podcast intros I've done over the year. And I got to tell you, they are pretty much always the same notes. So I'm taking this to mean I have perfect pitch. Listen, I can't be sure that's true. Uh, But interesting coincidence, this brings us right into the intro to this episode because Lin Chen, my guest for this episode, is not only Chinese, but also has perfect pitch. So now you have to listen to that Radio Lab episode. Um kind of an amazing coincidence that she would be my next guest. Uh, Michelle M. and Veronica C., I want to thank you guys so much for posting on the Facebook page the the compilations of my different uh, podcast intros. Uh, Michelle M. made it into a ringtone. That makes me laugh so hard. I'm crazy about it. I will never use that ringtone for my own phone. Can you imagine if someone heard my own voice doing that? Uh, and I was like, I got to take this call, guys. Very important uh, Hollywood call. Um, but uh, but that was such a pleasure. I got to get something else out straight away. It is super embarrassing. It is what we would call a classic Varney. Listen, here's the thing. Somewhere in my mind years ago when I first fell in love with Say Hi to Your Mom, which later became the band called Just Say Hi, I cut it into my head that um, our podcast theme song was called Before We Were Brittle. Guys, it's back before we were brittle. I've been omitting most of the time, some of the time I say it, but most of the time I omit the first word of the name of that song up to and including the end of my own credits where I give credit to say hi and I say the name of the song wrong. You guys, it's so embarrassing. I'm so ashamed. Oh, classic Varney, classic Varney. So guys, in case you didn't already figure it out and you were all probably too gentle to uh, chide me about it, it is called Back Before We Were Brittle. And don't worry, I'm changing the end of the podcast credit so that uh, that that accurate thing is reflected. Uh, also, at the end of this episode, you'll hear a delightful snippet of Lin Chen and her husband, Abe Foreman Greenwald's old song uh, from quite some time ago, which is aptly called Nerd Potion. And I love it. And it's very, very JV Club appropriate. Um shout outs. Let's do a few more via email, Hannah W, via email, Anna S, who has been providing me with mash lists so that I remember past mashes, uh, mash categories, and can employ them in uh, future mash games. So thank you so much for that, Anna. As always, I welcome mash suggestions. I think it's kind of become the linchpin of the show. I I feel like we find out so much about people on those MASH games. Uh, Danny D via email, Jared M via email, uh, via Facebook. I want to thank Rick S who has designed some marvelous shirt designs, guys. I'm so excited to share those with you. Uh, Rick and I are talking about uh, steps moving forward, but I think I'm going to, you know, maybe post some and have you guys weigh in on what you think and which ones you would like. Um, so working on that, but so excited. I, I think that the shirt designs are tremendous. I can't wait to share them with you. Uh, Carolyn K via Facebook, Jennifer L who had a JV club inspired party where they played, uh, some like fortune teller stuff and some, um, mash. And, uh, I'm anxious to hear how that went. 
I should say eager. Anxious really isn't appropriate. I'm not like losing sleep over it. I'm just very excited. Heather S., who has experienced fish flies for herself, uh, who concurs with Kathleen Rose Perkins that that is super kind of gross, but also adorable. Um, and I just want to say too, I it made me want to listen to that Kathleen Rose Perkins episode. I gotta say guys, that's one of my favorite episodes when she talks about eating, a a, a like a chicken period, it makes me cry with laughter even still. Rob T, Greg B, E H R R K C, comma, Zach C, Rachel B, struggling whiter, Diane, Yes, that guy was right all on Twitter. Thank you guys. On the Andrea Savage page of the Nerdist uh, site, I want to thank Nicole, Joseph, Curtis, Todd, Al, Alec, and Kama, and PJ for weighing in. A lot of really interesting comments there, including um, some chiding for me using the word whore when I described uh, little girls, you know, dressing scantily. And, uh, you know, that made her very uncomfortable. And um, I want to apologize for that. I say some things that are offensive, some things that are sensitive, but on a podcast where I've, you know, hopefully fostered uh, a sense of acceptance and sensitivity, it's maybe uh, not appropriate for me to say things that um, are questionable, particularly in an episode where we talk so much about feminist principles. So um, what can I say? Sometimes I put my foot in my mouth and by sometimes I mean always. Guys, this is a very long intro, but I had a lot of ground I needed to cover. I want to thank you for hanging in and uh, please enjoy this episode with Lynn Chen. I think uh, it's uh, really a good one. A lot of really specific uh, stuff that um, I thought was very provocative. So I hope you enjoy it and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. ever had this many different beverages <laughs> i like to have a lot of beverages on the podcast and everyone knows i like doc burps but i haven't been drinking doc burps cream soda lately aka doc brown's cream soda because um the gelson's down the street hasn't been carrying it oh diet cream soda dr brown's they're not carrying it I don't maybe galco's does i went there recently for the first time who galco's what's galco's never been Go to Galco's. What is it? You're gonna what, love what it. it. It's like you're making up a. You're making I, I'm up. not. I'm not. I'm not. Galco's is in Highland Park. Oh my! I never get over to Highland Park. Yeah, and there's really not much to see yeah. in Highland Park. What is? But it? Galco's is an old-fashioned vintage soda shop. They also sell beer. Oh. They also sell candy. What a delight! It is a delight. It is a delight, and I don't even really drink that much. Yeah, that many beverages. I don't and either. It was, it I mean, I said, really, just said that, but like in terms of sodas, I don't. It was really exciting. They had they have a whole like, um, what's it called? Like a refrigerated deli section where you would usually have like meats and yeah. stuff. It's all candy. Ooh. It was really exciting. Is it refrigerated? Candy? No, it's not. <laughs> it's just laid you out like that. You all that kid, you got to keep cold. <laughs> Having said that, I used to enjoy many a frozen Snickers bar. I, I do like Charleston Chew frozen oh, God, because Charleston the nougat. Chew. Here's a little secret. Reason? You know reason? Yeah. Well, reason? I'm going to Reason? Add- oh, reason, like R-E-I-S-E-N? Yes, like reason the candy. Yeah. Freeze that shit. Really? Because... 
the nougat. <laughs> You're saying which that is, like it's a Vulcan word. Well, and I don't even watch Star Trek. Charleston Chew, <laughs> the commercials they used to always be like nougat. Um, nougat, when it's frozen, takes on this delightful texture. Is it better than, because it, is it better or worse on your fillings, I guess is my question. I think it's better because you don't chew it. Yeah. You'll just suck on it. It's and it's it's delightful. That does it is, sound good, especially with a cup of hot tea. Oh, that definitely sounds good. That's that's my jam. But now, if you put it with a cup of hot tea, it sounds like then you sort of negate the nougat from being cold. Does it sort of turn back into regular nougat in it, your mouth? The sh- you would think, but I think the shock of it melts the outer layer of chocolate, and then it just sort of slowly dissipates oh my. as it's it's a it's a this it's a wonderful nice. textural this experience sounds great. i hope someone out there listening will give this a try um we might end up talking a lot about food yeah uh because of well. your blog yeah will you tell uh, anybody who might not be familiar with it uh, i'm sure many not. people are not familiar with it <laughs> Listen, so they are uh, now they will be in moments moments away guys moments away uh my blog is called the actor's diet theactorsdiet.com because actors diet needs to car stuff oh good to know so so don't type in actors diet it's it's the actors diet actors diet so obnoxious to call your blog the actors diet but that's the reason why (laughs) yeah because uh actors Actors diet was taken when i when i started it four years ago so many things that seem so pretentious guys turns out to be just little moments where you have to make it work you just have to Mm. There's also beautiful photographs of the of the food that you eat. You know, you attempted my uh, birthday party. If anyone wants to see some visual representation of that party, I cannot show you any uh, photographs of people because none were taken. Yeah. But there I is a representation of the yeah. I, I there was one photographer there. Her name is Lin Chen, and she was photographing the table layout I was. Uh, when she and her delightful husband Abe, a very dear friend of mine and a friend and fan of the podcast. Um, when they came to the party, you came early enough that I think the spread was still like kind of looked like it did. Yes. Um, oh, did it get demolished later? It did. Mm. I'm, I'm not were, surprised. There were hardly any. There was hardly any food left. There only I'm thing- not surprised. That happens with booze and yeah. late nights. I always worry that because for my salon group that meets once a month, I used to be really. I've talked about. I think I've talked about the fact that I have this on the podcast before, but. Um, so we have the salon group that meets once a month and every month a different person presents on like a topic that you wouldn't necessarily, um, know about otherwise. Like it's, we don't talk about like the business or anything like that really. Um, it's mostly just like, here's a weird thing that I wanted to know more about and now I'm presenting it to all of you guys. And then we do like a Q and a, and then the second hour is, uh, uh, like a group discussion. We've been playing it a little bit more fast and loose because of the time that I was at HuffPost Live. I was like getting home and then it would start and I we oh. just didn't have time to prepare as yeah, much. I can't imagine. But um, but uh, point being is that we've been doing it for about two and a half years. And for the first year, maybe more, I was so intent on presenting like meals and stuff i just loved having like this it was like a reasonable group of people to cook for it was like eight to ten people including me and so i just got like super into it and so i would do different themes it would be like mexican food indian food da, da, da. and um and but i always thought like what if no one eats this and i'll just be devastated i really had to get over that 
And sometimes there were like some real misses. I would be like, oh my God, I roasted these Brussels sprouts and da, da, da. And I would be so excited. And then at the end of the night, everyone would have just politely declined. Like that would just be like the dish that was left. And I would, I would have wow. to like not get too angry. No, that does hurt my feelings too. When people don't even, that's That's my issue from that's growing tough. up. Yeah. Oh, from growing up. Yeah. Even. You know, like I'm a member of the clean plate club. So yeah. for me, it always is like, why, why aren't you eating that? What's wrong with what's, what's just, wrong with what I made? And furthermore, what's wrong with me as a human being? Yes. Because I'm going to take it all the way to feeling like I've done something horribly wrong as a human. I've learned to get over that over the years. It's something I've worked on. Though. I mean, you gotta, you mm. gotta. But yeah, so you you took some pictures of the um, uh, of the array. I thought it, they looked beautiful. I went to your blog. I looked at it. Um, I felt that uh, my table was cuter than the second party that it you went to. It definitely was. Can I just tell you? I appreciate that. <laughs> Much cuter. Thank you for the support. Yes. I like a I like a cute table. People might remember. I think it was the Jennifer Finnegan episode. Uh, it probably should have been because she's the person that I do potlucks with sometimes that i like a nice table presentation is very important is very important um how did you get into blogging about food and stuff well i was already obsessed with food blogs i've been obsessed with food my whole life clean play club and um and so i was reading a lot of food blogs about six years ago and uh so i've suffered from from binge eating disorder uh, for most of my life, although I didn't know it was considered an eating disorder when I was growing up, I just thought, let's stuff our faces until we can't eat anymore. I will go ahead and say that I feel like that is my thing too. Binge eating? Yeah. I mean, I'm not like, I, I don't know that I'm in a place where I'm seeking, tr- I mean, I'm, not, I'm certainly not seeking a treatment for it and I won't say that... Um, it's something that I would, that I'm in a disorder mode, but like that is certainly, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, certainly what I did to feel better when I was a kid. And when you're a kid, you really don't know, like you did whatever. It's like, I feel bad. I mean, eat a bunch of candy or like whatever. I mean, I don't know. I think that's sort of what everyone's go to is as a child. Cause Absolutely. I don't know that there's that much more. Um, but even now, you know, the kind of, uh, it's a, it's a slippery slope because like the way that I, take care of my body so to speak is like i do sort of do the what is it called like the four hour workout whatever the idea being that you basically eat extremely strictly six days of the week and then the seventh day you can kind of eat whatever you want right and i know that that plays into the part of me that's like hey i have to be honest with myself i'm not in a place where like i can eat one cookie Right. I'm just not that person. So right. if I'm going to eat five cookies, I would rather do it at a time where I'm not going to punish myself for it, where I'm going to feel like this is a plan that works for me. I can eat as much as I want of this thing, but not all the time. Yeah. And, and so know, I think it is, I it's think- like a slippery slope. You know, it's like how much are you managing those tendencies? Can you find a place where you feel comfortable with it? Can you be in a place where you're kind to yourself about it? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think most... Of, it's funny because now that I've been blogging for four years, sometimes when I look at the food, it'll look like, um, wow. Like the other day, I just went to the LA Weekly Plate Festival where I literally ate for two hours straight. And I think like by the end, I had eaten not only like 60 pork belly bites, <laughs> um, but I had like... <clears throat> 
half a dozen donuts from Nickel Diner, which are so good, and like four full pieces of cake from from Huckleberry. And like, I just like went bananas but isn't but that kind of like you went there no, like knowing self-honesty and self-forgiveness and like the, yeah your 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 emotional and mental relationship with your own choices are so important because part of a disorder i think is it's the obsession I'm not ex- yeah i'm not an expert but it's yeah it's like the obsession and it's also the the, the fact that you're using it to punish yourself that you're hurting right. yourself with a behavior right um but it's, I think it's tricky because I do, you know, I have friends who've had very serious eating disorders and I'm like, you know, I guess it's just, ta- I like talking about it. And we've talked, you know, we've talked a little bit about it um, from time to time on the podcast. But I think, you know, there's a reason that every single month in a woman's magazine, usually in every magazine, there's some reference to dieting. There's some reference to your relationship to food, references to your relationship to your body and how eating affects it. Here's what you can eat to slim down. Here's what you shouldn't be eating. Here's how this is good for you. Here's why you should be able to find the willpower to diet and all this. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a precarious, it's a precarious substance because it, with alcohol, you know, if you abuse it and you're life is changing and everyone around you is being hurt and all, you know, the, all of the sort of like signature signs of, of alcohol abuse or drug abuse, it looks different than, than food because we need food to live. Yeah. You have to need it and we should be able to cherish and enjoy it and be mindful about it. Um, there's a really good book called mindful eating that I have. Uh, but that it, you know, that it is like, I mean, if you're gonna if you're going to do something in excess, I guess eating, especially if it's healthy food, if you can find a way to like eat healthy food to excess. I mean, I have a friend who is. I'll stop talking in a second. Lynn, I'm sorry. This is something that I feel very strongly about. Oh, so I, I do too. But um, I have a friend who's in an OA program, uh-huh. and her thing is like, you know, she recognizes those binge tendencies, but she's like, you know what? I can eat as much vegetables as I want. To the mm-hmm. point of sickness, if that's what it's going to take. But that is my, like, that is the, I can only eat X amount of blank, blank, and blank. I can't have any of this at all. To me, that's my alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't ever have French fries or whatever her trigger foods are. But she's like, if I'm going to still eat emotionally, you know, I make myself call my sponsor, I make myself write about how I'm feeling before I eat. But if I'm still in a place where like I'm just going to eat until I'm so full, I, it has to be like salad mm-hmm. with no dressing. Like it just it's sort of that way of being like, well, if I'm going to do, you know, almost like alcoholics, like, some alcoholics like go accept. to meetings that right. they're addicted to their meetings. But thank God they're addicted to that. Right. Because it's the most it's the more positive way of managing your addictive personality. I and know. I have channeled it into writing a blog twice a day that's my but you're obsession you're being mindful of it and you're being yeah. aware of it and and you write twice a day it's twice a day i love it i am at the point now where it feels really strange if i don't do it yeah like it, it'd be very strange if i if i i know i don't have to do it nobody's holding a gun to my head yeah there was a time period when i was going through a very difficult time last year my father passed away and everyone was like, why, why are you still blogging? And there was a part of me that was like, I kind of feel like I have to. Not only because it's so much a part of my routine and it holds me accountable um, to, to my food behavior, but also 
it was my dad's way of knowing what was going on with me. Mm. So it just sort of felt like a connection to him. And now it feels like a connection to my family who's on the East Coast. So um, even though, you know, over the years, the blog has shifted a lot in terms of what I had set out to have it be and um, and what I thought it was going to be. Now it's just all for me. Well, good. <laughs> it's like therapy. Yeah. And I can't. I can't not do it. And until it becomes something that's difficult, that's when I'll stop. And I think yeah. that's the main reason why I never wanted to monetize it or turn it into something that it wasn't. Yeah. Because it's for me. That's so great. I think that's fantastic. It is nice. Um, and the perks are lovely as well. The uh, Well, <laughs> listen, speaking of perks, um, we got to just address very quickly that you um, – I was very excited that you brought some stuff. Uh, I think maybe one of which we decided we would try and on the podcast and yes. one of which we probably won't try. Right. Um, bless their hearts. Uh, will you describe Will you describe what you came over with? <laughs> okay. So one of these products is from a, a company called The Good Bean. It appears that they make all natural chickpea snacks. So they roast, uh, either they roast them or they... I'm guessing they're roasted. I think they roast them. Um, they roast, yes, roasted chickpeas. Um, they roast them with things like brown rice syrup and spices. And uh, they're just a fun little snack, it appears, to I love uh, roasting a chickpea. On. Uh, I think it's funny. I think even Jen Finnegan mentioned my, uh, now famous, they're not, they shouldn't be famous roasted chickpeas. I like to make the, you sort of use the same, you say, use the same, essentially the same spices as you would to make hummus. So you've got the cumin, you've got that sort of hummusy taste, but, um, it's very, uh, transportable because it's just roasted into dry chickpea nuts. Yes. They sort of feel like nuts. So yes. <clears throat> guys, I'm still sick. I'm going to have to work out some of these coughs, uh, during the podcast. I apologize for that. But um, so this is exciting. This is a chili and lime, a, a smoky chili smoky. and lime flavor. Now the other thing, yeah, this plus this plus. is um, <laughs> this is a styrofoam square uh, wrapped in I plastic mean- uh, that contains three gluten free treats for for Passover. They don't even say what they are, but I'm going to assume that one is a cookie, one is a some sort of jam, like a jam roll. roll, like a jam spiral. I don't, I don't, a jam. I guess this is maybe a cake. Yeah. Like then a, why would like you call it a cookie a sampler? And oh, you know what? <laughs> it does say what it is oh, in it very does, okay. tiny print. It's a sampler includes brownie slice, raspberry jelly roll slice. Mm-hmm. I thought it said shoe, and san- <laughs> and and Real raspberry jelly roll shoe, and a sandwich cookie. All of which really don't look very appetizing if i'm going to be honest what we had to talk about was if you're being sent something because you would like someone if you're if you're sending someone something that you want them to review presentation as we've just said is could be considered important it's important it's kind of like a few steps down from like if you go to your grocery store, like even Gelson's, you know, they sort of have their old famous cookies, the Victor Benis cookies, yes. which are lovely and wonderful. Yes. But you can get the sort of shrink wrapped, sad, like styrofoam version versus like the sort of pretty plate or, you know, it's so much more fun to go to a bakery and like, you you know, you pick out you with pick the it baker, out. like I want the three of those and you see them, the smells and like they're putting them into the little bag. So none of that is captured. <laughs> none of that is captured here. <laughs> I said to Lynn, it almost looks like someone 
should have sat on it. Like it almost looks like it should be sat on on top of everything else. Like, it's, oh, someone sat on this Passover sampler. I brought it because I knew you would uh, get a kick out of it. I did, and but I, not and I, any, not anyone. <laughs> except I this totally with a get smile. a kick out of it, and I would even sample it. But I was saying to Lynn that one of the things that I do kind of avoid. Um, unless it's a cheat day. And even on the cheat days now, I don't really do it. This, this is like refined this sugar. Yeah, refined sugar. I mean, yeah, the problem is, is, here's the problem. Once you make certain choices and you cut certain things out, including for me, like gluten, which I had to do medically, but um, then your reactions to them are so much stronger when you do have them. So it's kind of a mixed blessing, I guess, because now I so can sort of enjoy the fact that I don't have like the highs and the, the crashes that I would have, especially when I was younger, when I would like binge eat a bunch of cookies mm-hmm. or, you know, sugar, sugar, sugar. It was definitely my thing. And um, I never feel that anymore. But now if on a cheat day, I'm like, I'm going to eat. And, and I'm talking about like something really like I'm going to eat one cupcake from, you know, um, baby cakes or something. Mm-hmm. That sugar... I feel sick almost immediately. Wow, and they don't it's even use refined sugar. You know what? That's a good point. They do more agave and stuff. Yeah. So baby cakes, I'm actually okay. Like what? But it's funny because you start to find out like what your limits are, and so now I don't seek out things that I know are going to make me feel that way, even though I know yeah. it'll be delicious because it's just such a gross feeling to feel so. I mean, sick to my stomach. Like, yeah. Am I going to barf? Um, so, but so I, I, you've just reminded me that like the the sort of stuff in like the banana bread family of baby cakes where it's like not so sweet and probably it is more the toasty they call it things like that yeah Yeah. i can do i can eat liberally and not have that horrible sugar crash like depression sick feeling but now yeah it's like if i eat a piece of chocolate like a piece of like commercial chocolate opposed Mm -hmm. to like you know raw chocolate or something like that immediately i'm like oh it feels so good and i'm like oh i wish I wish I could still do that. Like, I wish I could still have a day where I had half a dozen donuts and just I, do I, it. I'm sorry. It isn't fun. It is fun sometimes. But, I know. Um, I feel your pain. I feel oh, your pain. What have I done to myself? <laughs> Damn it. It, it, just, it is much. what it is. So we're not going to have the, different. The, the wish they were sad on uh, Passover <laughs> sampler. We're 20 minutes and I want to get into a little bit of Lynch and history. I mean, let's put some of this into context when we talk about your upbringing. Obviously, I'd like to come back and talk a little bit about your dad, if you're f- comfortable yeah, with it. of course. Um, when we get there a little bit later, um, because I, of course, knew this was all happening through Abe. I had not met you yet. Um, but uh, but where where are you from? Like, where did you spend your teenage years? I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in New York and Queens. And then I... My parents had the choice between Creskill, New Jersey, or a loft in Soho, where I would have been so cool. Yeah, I know. If that had happened, but well, they what, chose Creskill, New Jersey. How, how did that, that choice come to be? <laughs> I think it was like the same price. Yeah. They could buy a, a large house in, in Bergen County yeah. across the George Washington Bridge. Or <sighs> they could still sick. Okay. Or they could um or they could have like a loft in a up-and-coming neighborhood called Soho. Yeah. And they chose New Jersey. How many, how big of a family did you have? It's just me and my brother, but my mom and that's my dad. still, for a loft, that's still, like, you want, 
Yeah. Lofts are hard in terms of privacy and all that kind of stuff, too. Well, I'm sure. my, my mom worked, uh, she got a job when I was born at the Metropolitan Opera House. Oh, that's so cool. So she, she's an opera singer. At the, at, in the, she was an opera singer at the Ladies' Chorus for 35 years. She recently retired. And so she, um, the, the theory was, you know, we'll raise the family around the city where my mom would work. Um, but ultimately, they were like, let's move to the suburbs. Yeah. So that's what happened. <laughs> and uh, oh, it was such a, it was such a, it, it's so weird to say this now because I recently went back and it is not like this anymore. But it was such a white community mm. growing up. I was, it was just me and my brother and my cousin. And that was basically it. And then like uh, the occasional kid who would like come from China and everyone would tease me and be like, that's your boyfriend, Lynn, you know. Uh, But now it's all Korean. Like I went back to visit my high school recently and I was like, man, if if I was here today, things would be different. Yeah, no kidding. I'd be ruling the school. It's interesting how that happens too. I mean, the the way that... um, people sort of emigrate to certain areas and, you know, oh, talking yeah. to thinking about talking to Kulop, for example, about like a certain area in which a, a, a very specific ethnic group kind of comes in. And I wonder what drew the Korean community to Kreskill since it wasn't like that when you were growing up. I think once one family member comes, everyone starts coming. Yeah. So like I said, like my cousin yeah. <laughs> ended up moving to the same town. We had like the same cars and you know, family just starts to tell one another, hey, come here. It's it's great. Yeah. And so they all do. So were your parents both, where were your parents born? They're both from, uh, well, my mom's originally from China, but they both grew up in Taiwan. Okay. So, um, and then my brother and I were both born here. Okay. But they, they met there and came mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Okay. All right. So New Jersey, but before the turnpike. So, okay. <laughs> and and I had like I had like my parents did not, you know, have me going down the shore at all. Right. <laughs> so yeah. my New Jersey experience is really different from most yeah. people who are from Jersey. And so that what was your high school like then? Other than that it was all white and <laughs> was it a public school? <laughs> it was a public school, it was yeah. very small, like seventy two people. Wow. Um and I was total theater drama nerd. I grew up at the Met. I sang at the Met when I was really young, like when I was five years old. So oh gosh, I grew up. How many going, people can say that? I know it was pretty special, actually. When um, when I grew up, from when I was five to when I was ten, like in costumes and with opera music just constantly playing, and it was really nice. And in I remember in 1999, I won. Um, tickets to the Video Music Awards, the MTV Video Music Awards. Sure. <laughs> and even I went... The VMAs. The VMAs, nine nine ninety nine. It was like <laughs> huge because Britney Spears had just idea. done um, Baby One More Time. And so they took over the Metropolitan Opera House. And I went. And it was like these hooligans had taken over my home. Sure. Like I walked in and Pam Anderson is there. Oh, and they're like, no. they're like using the translator box to like write like funny th- curse words. And I was like, no, oh, no. no. They totally <laughs> sullied what you, it. What have you done to, oh, <laughs> to the Metropolitan no. Opera House? <laughs> um, <sighs> but no, it was fun. It was, um, it was a great place to grow up. It sounds like, I mean, when you think about like how much 
kids and I would say little boys and little girls, but I can only speak mostly to me because I was an only daughter, but playing dress up and stuff and like sort of wanting, you know, trying to transform even like the most fundamental, like basic saddle dress of my mom's into something magical to have access to that sort of like fairy tale world just seems so extraordinary. Look, I tell you a lesson I learned very young about show business. And and speaking of that subject, I don't think I've ever told this story, actually. I need um, some sort of like breaking, like, <laughs> as for as right here first on the Jamie Club. I do feel like I hear that a lot in your podcasts. There are people like, I've never told this. I've never said this out loud, but it's, the best. Um, it's making me so rich. <laughs> it's not making me rich at all. Um, so they did Hansel and Gretel at the Met uh, when I was young, and I grew up watching it, and the girls got to wear the most beautiful petticoat outfits and would they twirled a lot um the gingerbread children these are the okay, gingerbread children right. okay i've never At the seen end. that i've never i i guess i didn't know that hansel and gretel was an opera is well, it in german or it is, is it in, in german okay. but back in the early 80s they did it in english <sighs> okay so that's how that's the version i i know but most most production companies do it in german and so i grew up watching this and n- knew all the words was really psyched and they don't do it every season but one season they were going to do it um but it was um not at the met they were going to take it on the road the Met travels usually once a year. And Mm -hmm. um, so they wanted me to be in it. And I was like beside myself. Uh, I went in for my costume fitting and it was a mushroom outfit. And I was like, what, 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 what's, what, what is this? It was like (laughs) literally like a, a, a a tan leotard and and a head, like a mushroom toad head you know fungus fungus it was fungus <laughs> um and i was like maybe six or seven and i was like what no no this is not i don't want to do this i don't want to do this mom and so i said no i said no to the <laughs> to, to the tour you turned it down and then i found out that the mushroom was in the second act when hansel and gretel are in the forest that had I just stuck around and not freaked out, I would have seen that I would have been also fitted for a dress for the third act where I got to play a gingerbread child. So I screwed myself over with my vanity. It's a good lesson. (laughs) It's a good lesson. Think it all the way through. Make sure that you know... Or just don't be so vain. Yeah. I denied myself an incredible experience. Oh. I never got to do it. By the way, well, I never. We've performed. got a surprise for you because <laughs> I always wish that could be the case. Oh, if wish. you look under your sofa, there's two tickets to. Um, yeah, that's rough. I feel like I. Uh, you know what? I had a similar experience. It was not. Um, close enough to being the same and I don't have the excuse of even being a younger child I when I was in college auditioned for um the musical Into the Woods I knew you were gonna say that did you I just felt Into the it. Woods that's so well funny. you know same kind of outfits, well it's interesting I like. because I think what reminded me of it was your experience not the the um Hansel and Gretel parallel between the the plots tale. which yeah. you'll see in a moment which is interesting um <clears throat> god guys I cannot stop the mucusy lungs uh, I, so I auditioned for that and I auditioned, 
you know, I considered myself like a pretty good singer. I had certainly done, you know, musical stuff when I was younger. And at that point I was like, that that was like the, the era when I was super into like playing coffee houses and stuff with my guitar. So I think for my audition, whereas everyone else did like show tunes, I went in and sang like a Sarah McLachlan song um, with my guitar. But I mean, it was good, yeah. right? I mean, I could, I could what, carry what a song? tune. I what can't song? remember, but it was, was probably, it ice cream? you know what I think it probably was? <sighs> Terms of Endearment. Oh. That's an early song wow. of hers because it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and so I got a call, you know, I got the call back to come. Uh, for, and so there was like an acting callback and a singing callback and the singing callback was first. And so for the singing callback, it's like the, you know, the orchestra band director or whatever was like in charge of, of that part of it. And then the director of the actual play was in charge of the acting callbacks. So I get there and they have me sing for like a stepsister or like the chorus or something. And I was pissed. I was like, excuse me. And so I did that. Uh And, um, and then I was so haughty and so vain that I was like, I don't think so. That I didn't go to the acting callback, and it turned out the director had me in mind for like the star. Uh. And but like I was so full of myself that I mean I don't even remember being. Listen, I wasn't that full of myself. I think I was just crushed. I was just right. crushed. I was like, I don't want to do like I want a good juicy role. I don't want to sing in the chorus. Right. And yeah, I if I had just shown up, I would have found out that like those two just weren't communicating and the person who was making all of the decisions had wanted, you know, had liked my monologue and my song and had wanted to cast me in one of the lead roles. So um I hope you learned your lesson. I did learn my lesson. Good. But all that stuff like but you know what? I learned my lesson, but I also think that it was during college that I was I realized how sensitive and fragile I was. And that's why I was like, I can't do this for a living. And Me that's too. why I took a 10 year break. That's Me why too. I, was like, I can't. This in is- college, I went in thinking I was going to be a theater music double major. And after freshman year, I said, I got rejected from one thing, which that in and of itself isn't a whole other story um, because I wasn't even right for it. And, um, I ended up just being like, I can't handle this rejection. Yeah. And was like, I obviously can't be an actress. Yeah. Same. So I became a woman's studies music double major oh, instead. I lo- And so what, when you became a women's studies major, I know we're jumping all over the place, but did you, what, what did you think you were going to use that for? Because I took a lot of women's studies classes too. And it was great because it was like, listen, I don't care if there's a purpose to my future for this. I just am a woman. Hear me roar. I am going to like this is my opportunity to learn all this stuff and to like feel empowered. And I don't know that I, I saw like a, a long term. No, I didn't see anything long term except that I went to an Ani DeFranco concert and she spoke to me in a way that I was like, my life is about to change in a huge way. And this is what I need to, to focus on. I get it. <laughs> it's such a perfect age. Listen, it's the perfect age for that. I mean, I think it, Again, I hate to like embrace all of the cliches, but when better to kind of become empowered in that way and to be inspired as so many young women are in college when you, I mean, there's, it's, I just don't think it's a coincidence. You're, I think that hormonally where your hormones are shifting, it makes sense that you sort of come into your own in that specific way when you're in college. It's your first time, you know, for most people living away from home. Um, you're responsible for yourself in a different way. That can be really scary, but it can be really exciting. It's not, it's just not surprising that I think so many smart, capable young women 
are drawn to stuff like women's studies in college, especially in early college, because you are kind of like, who am I? What's my identity? And I don't want to be defined by, you know, these, these relationships that I've had or, you know, and I'm speaking not just, I guess, of, um, straight relationships, but, you know, just being someone who, even as a, as a, as a lesbian feeling like, you've allowed the wrong things to kind of dictate where your personality falls and where your strengths and your weaknesses fall. And to, so to have these opportunities for the first time, it's not like, I mean, I wasn't given the opportunity to take a women's studies class in high school. Were you? No, it's so, it's so collegiate. Well, that was also something that was so the opposite of anything that would have been offered in my high school. So that was part of why I, embraced it so much because it was sort of like i loved college where did you um, go to school did you i went to wesleyan that? oh you didn't say that okay and that's where i met abe okay our junior year okay so there was part of it that was sort of like this is so not creskill that you yeah. know actually when i came home i remember my friends just being like oh my god she's crazy <laughs> like she's just spouting feminist theory and you know did you cut your not, hair did you ever cut your hair? i wanted to i really wanted to but i never I never you had could the, work a short hair the balls. Like you know, I, I I streaked it blonde. I did have a bob cut. People remembered me for that, but um, that was as far as it went. Yeah, I well, wanted a lip piercing. It never oh. happened. I just never. I can never actually do it. Yeah, I admire it on others, but for myself, who did I go? I didn't. I kind of when I was like in goth mode i wanted to get some sort of piercing i think i like worked up the nerve to get my ears pierced twice you know what i mean like yeah oh, I, got, I got my septum I got pierced two holes. is that not septum? Even get is my... called septum or is this your no septum? this is your septum, your septum what is, is this like called your, like cartilage 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 i got my Couldn't, cartilage co- didn't never even got my cartilage pierced it hurts um went with my girlfriend who was a year older than me um who I've mentioned on the podcast, who I looked up to so much to get her nose pierced. And I have to say, she did have a great nose for a piercing. There's some people who it really yeah, works on. It was a great, great nose piercing. Always looked great. And I was jealous, but, um, but yeah, never did anything like that. Got a tattoo. I guess I did get a tattoo right around the women's studies uh, era. I really wanted one. And yeah. again, did not do it. Didn't pull the trigger. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I pulled the trigger. When I look back, I'm like, wow, I really did that. Um, it's cool. Where's your tattoo? It's gone. I've what? Had it removed. Oh my lord! <laughs> I had a double, just a really dark double band, like one thin thin line and one really thick line on my on my arm, on my yeah. right arm, and um, and I never, I don't think I ever would have gotten rid of it had I not moved down here and had I not had a tremendously hard time getting it covered when I would work on stuff. Mm. And uh, guys, I know I'm being repetitive because I've said this before, but. But yeah, so you go you go to a place and and they see this kind of blonde blonde blue eyed girl and they don't want a tattoo. The, the, yeah, like the, the, whatever I role that. I get cast for does not include like the the sense of a tattoo. And so then tattoo artists would try to cover it. But I'm so pale that it would just turn into this like sad gray green kind of smear on my arm. So I went through the process of the painful and long process of getting it removed. Wow. Yeah, you are a we had brave to get 10 woman. Years together, me and that tattoo. Um, and that's where you met Abe. So, so w- it, first of all, was your mom a singer in Taiwan? And, mm-hmm. and so she took that with her to, was that part of the motivation for her and your dad coming to, what is your dad? What did your dad do? My dad with the, my dad was an ethnomusicologist. He okay. actually went to Wesleyan also. Oh, wow. But he ended up making his living doing computers. So I had in growing up, I had the model of someone 
taking the artist road and succeeding and someone realizing I can't make a living doing this and, you know, what else can I do? Yeah. Um, and was that ever hard? Do you think for him to, to sort of be around the success of your mom? I think, yeah, definitely. I think my dad spent, you know, he retired about 10 years ago and he spent like the whole time just thinking like, how am I going to reinvent myself? How am I going to, what am I going to do in my retirement that, you know, um, is going to redefine me because that just never was really him yeah. as much as his passion for music was. Did he do on the side, not working? Did he involve himself in, in the hobby of, of mm-hmm. music? Was he a composer? Was he, he um, play an instrument? What was his passion? He founded, so ethnomusicology is like cultural study of music and his specialty was Chinese opera. So he founded this Chinese opera company in New York called the Quintry Society, which still exists. But Oh, he, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. So he did that on weekends, but you know, it started to become very time consuming. Sure. So he stopped. Um, he stopped in like after just a few years, but the, the, the society still goes on. That's really cool. It still lives. They performed, uh, they did a perform benefit performance for him recently in his oh, home. Oh, that's so lovely. His memory was nice. Yeah. That's so lovely. What, um, how much of kind of Taiwanese culture came into play in your home life since you weren't really getting a lot of that represented in your your um, sort of town life in Creskill. Right. I um, I don't think it was there. I mean, it was there in the form of like food and talking and family. Um, but Can it wasn't like... some of the food? Oh my God, the food was amazing, but I didn't know it was amazing at the time. Sure. Like, that's I mean, the stuff please, I of course. want now. I, I crave now. Like there was a thing, it's called Yotiao, which translates into oil stick it's basically a savory donut that's really long like a tiger tail almost but it's savory and it is wrapped in like a thin it's it's a carb sandwich basically Um, you wrap it you wrap it in um in this thin uh layer of carbs that has sesame seeds on it and then you dunk it into hot soy milk hot soy milk yeah right it sounds so good that's delicious when, but I um, did not appreciate this growing up. Yeah. I wanted like Chef Boyardee. I wanted my Lipton iced tea. Oh, no. I wanted uh, SpaghettiOs. And, and if you were like me, you wanted Ho-Hos. Cookie Crisp cereal. Yes, that's all exactly I wanted was what Cookie I wanted. Crisp cereal. Um, so you know, I would get all these like awesome Taiwanese and Chinese foods growing up eating them on a regular basis. But then the reason I overate so much was because, you know, I would go after school to like a bake sale or to Wawa's or to my babysitter even like and eat like full on quote unquote American junk food and then come home and my mom would have made this like giant meal and not wanting to upset her, I would sit and eat a whole other meal. Yeah. Um. So... That was the big. That was the beginning of 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 me feeling like I couldn't just say like I've had enough or or speak yeah. what was really on my mind. Yeah. What uh, I want to talk more about that in a second, but I'm surprised that I mean, I'm just trying to think of like, I'm trying to think if I've because obviously Chinese food is you know everywhere. Um, it's ubiquitous in a way that. Taiwanese food. I mean, you don't really like what you just described. I don't think I've ever seen. It's oh, not we like it's go like to the San Gabriel Valley, and I'll take you to some really good Taiwanese. Important. Yes. It is. What other? It's I mean, is it like important. you know? Whereas you can say with um, you know, for example, um, 
Thai food, you know that there's a lot of like chili and lime and coconut milk. And, and that's one of the reasons I love Thai food so much is those are like some of my favorite flavors all put together, mint and cilantro and basil and all that kind of stuff. Is there something and then, you know, with Chinese food, you can sort of think of like a lot of the sort of typical way that flavors and spices are used. Are, is there something like that with Taiwanese food or is it mirror more Chinese food? Or? I think it's very similar to Chinese food. I mean, yeah. I'm not a total expert on Taiwanese food, but it is a lot um like a lot of the stuff you'll see if you'll go out to eat, it's a lot of street food. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, what I just described that you would get on like a cart. Got it. You know, and um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's like, like dim-summy like or it is like a, a bun like, yeah, so you, here. Yeah, there's dim, like buns. A, there's a, um, a pot sticker there. There's, there's, there's noodle soup. There's something that's like, like a fried pork chop. There's just dishes that are, um, quintessentially Taiwanese, but you would find them versions of them in other areas. They just would do it differently. Like for example, there's like a beef um, noodle soup that is particularly Taiwanese. But if you go into like a Chinese restaurant and order the beef noodle soup, depending on where they're from, you'll see like the beef cuts are different. The way that the noodles are presented are different, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's essentially the same flavors. Just the, size of things i guess we gotta head down to the san gabriel valley it is fun and that's where a lot of uh, taiwanese like a taiwanese community settled Mm -hmm. interesting yeah um was there an area on the east coast that where that was also true where like you could go and sort of go oh just go to like auntie's houses and stuff i mean like we would go to flushing a lot in Mm -hmm. queens on weekends to have dim sum but then my parents were just like oh this is too much of a pain in the ass so like let's just go Let's just cook it at home and or go to different family sure. members' houses and that's sure. that's what we would do. And so going back to what you were saying a little earlier about um feeling like you, you know, maybe you can't make your voice known in that way and in other ways, is that something that you experienced because of your family dynamic? I mean, were your parents very sort of like would you be able to go to your parents and say, I'm having this feeling that I don't understand? Or was there, was there, was there a removal between children and parents? Yeah, there's definitely like a cultural... There's a cultural significance to um, Asians and eating disorders. I have a, actually a whole other blog. It's oh, called wow. Thick Dumpling Skin that I oh. founded a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, because I heard uh, my co-founder Lisa Lee on NPR doing this whole thing about how she had been to Taiwan and her mom basically put her through this like fat camp uh, because there's something in the culture where um, – I think this exists in a lot of cultures where it's like food, 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 food. You're so focused on food and people get mad at you if you don't eat, but then they get mad at you if you look a certain way or gain weight. Mm. Or, and especially in Asian cultures, there's no qualms about like just telling you you've gained weight or you've lost weight. Like That's the first thing people say to you. And so for me as an actress growing up, I grew up very, I mean, I'm still a very thin girl, but like... Um, I grew up very naturally skinny, so everyone was always telling me, like, careful, careful what you're eating because you're going to put on weight. And then I went to college, was a women's studies major. I, of course, gained the freshman, like, 40 because I was also smoking pot for the first time. Right. And uh, came home. Nothing tastes better than food (laughs) And everyone was like, everyone had said to me, like, even your nose is fat. Like, this is horrible. They were just saying horrible things to me. And I was a woman's studies major, so I was studying anorexia and was like, stop it. You're going to give me an eating disorder. Order, but not knowing um, that binge eating was a disorder, I would like stuff my face in front of them, kind of despite them. But also, um, you know, so they would 
there was definitely this weird cultural thing where people were like, you can't look this way, but why aren't Finish you eating my, yeah. Oh, wow. Why aren't you eating everything? Um, and then if you weren't, if you lost too much weight, that wasn't good either. So, yeah. um, when That's I started stressful. my blog, it was to sort of, it was actually to try to actually put a voice to what I was experiencing because I had already been in therapy for years and my parents knew I had been in therapy for years. It's just not something we talked about. And uh, they were just like, send me to therapy and not really ask hmm. how it went. It was just like, hey, she's getting it taken care of. Um, so it was my way of like voicing what was actually going on and showing like, this is how bad it is because it's very, it's a, you feel very shameful, like a, talking about what a binge feels like and how you how it feels the next day. But there's something about writing it out that was very mm. therapeutic for me and a way that I could just, instead of having to like say to people, this is what I'm going through, I could just, if they chose to read the blog post, then they did. And and so my parents chose to read the blog post and that's how they knew what was going on with me. Mm. And that's how they knew to stop saying to me, like, that's all you're going to eat for dinner or putting food on my plate mm. or talking about how I look all the time mm-hmm. when I when I came home um, it was always you know there's a there's a there's a stereotype that Asian women um, can eat whatever they want and not gain a pound and I think this is true for a lot of a lot of people but for me that certainly wasn't true and I thought that there was something wrong with me and so I started that other site just to sort of like a community forum so that people knew that they weren't alone. Sure. Um, because I think that that's the problem is that people just think that <laughs> there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And it's such an isolating, you know, those are all very isolating choices and, and you know, that, that the privacy of sort of like feeling like something's wrong with you and then kind of enforcing that to yourself by not talking about it and to continue the behavior. Um, but just uh, let me clarify really quickly. So you said that your parents, but they, but they read the, po- they read the blog that you founded before, but that's so did they only know, what am I asking? I guess when you said when you would come home that they knew not to do certain things, you really just mean that like within that time of founding that blog and before that they still would have just, even though you were in therapy and just no one was talking about it, they would still be like, so it's only very recent that. No, my parents got it pretty okay. fast. They got it okay. pretty fast when I started the first blog, The Actor's Diet. Okay. And then I started Thick Dumpling Skin because I wanted to help other okay. people. Okay. I was just thinking chronologically of like how... When you said that they had been reading, they had been reading it. That you meant that they had been reading the actor side as well. Yeah, got it, yeah, got it, yeah, got it, yeah, got yeah. it. Um, and so, can I ask about your dad? Yeah, I know it was as it was not a it was a surprise. It was a surprise. It was supposed to just be a week, and I was supposed to I was supposed to actually host this like giant food gala in the city in here in LA and I wasn't supposed to fly back until after he was out of the hospital and come home and day one there were complications and I ended up having to cancel that that gala and fly back home and so when I think my dad woke up from his surgery and saw that I was he was still not only in the hospital but that his daughter but was he there. Did he have a heart attack? 
Um, no, they, he was oh. getting heart valve replacement. Okay. Um, I knew that it was heart related and I couldn't yeah. remember if he had a heart attack or if he was just having surgery that you know that you need when, you know, yeah. certain symptoms arise, but it should be a, a, a fairly... It was supposed to be pretty um, uncomplicated yeah. and he was like, he had like the best surgeons in the world. He had the heart doctor that worked on Clinton. So we were just... My dad had beat... Um, thymus cancer um a few like 10 years before that like with flying colors he did tai chi every day he's the most disciplined person i knew um so there was like this everyone no one was worried like the like even before he went in to surgery he didn't even say like i love you or anything like that because he was so confident sure. that you know i was just going to come home spend a week with them while he recovered and be like back at it before he knew it and uh so it was just i think a, like a total shock for all of us when there I was at his bedside and he was not doing well and just was getting well, but it was like a whole roller coaster for two weeks. And then when he died, it was like so unexpected because he was supposed to have been getting better after two weeks. And so how did your family respond emotionally to that loss? I mean, how did you, it was devastating. I mean, like, you know, what was really surprising was, even when my dad had had cancer and the family all bonded and, and got together around that, um, he, it still was like nothing compared to what happened, not only in the weeks that we were in the ICU for two weeks, like just how people were just coming out of nowhere and and just dropping everything for us, like how much I appreciated that just because I couldn't, I couldn't, process anything let alone like cook dinner at night let alone do anything um like it was so amazing and then after he died like even more of that support came through and so the appreciation for the family was just incredible and like my my mom and my brother and I were like patching up like years of history that I had like gone to therapy for that um it just happened in like in two weeks yeah um, so it was very, 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 very intense. Yeah. Um, and well, still is intense. Of course. Please. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just hasn't been very long. Yeah. At it's all. been like almost seven months. Yeah. That's like, not that much. It's just not no. very much time. Um, and your brother lives? My brother lives in New Jersey. Okay. He has four children. And how, and what's, what's the age difference? He's three years older than me. Okay. Yeah. Was there a, did, was there the sort of like, typical i don't even know what's typical but um like did you have a closeness to your father did he have a closeness to your mother was there any sort of like that kind of like when there's sometimes when there's a boy kid and a girl kid and then fa parents who stay together there can be some kind of interesting dynamics that happen there when you grow up my family was not close growing up we fought a lot and a lot of that had to do with like cultural differences and them feeling like they sacrificed so much moving us here and us being first generation and so there was a lot of a yeah, lot of had fighting a, such an intense for so many reasons you really had a very intense upbringing yeah, i did i did i did and then um I'd say that it wasn't until, I mean, I've been with Abe almost 16 years now, but it was so when I amazing. met Abe. Yeah, I know. It is crazy because we thought. But looking the at day. the two of you, I can see why. Like, who would want to walk away from either one of you? You're magnificent. Oh, thank you. Um, I'd say it was when I met Abe that things really shifted, not only because 
his family is like the complete opposite of my family in that he grew up with therapists. Oh my God, I love his family so much. And and they're so open and they talk and they hug. Like I just saw like my family like start to like their icy exterior melted as the years went on. Like they went from a family who like didn't touch to like a family who like every time we came home was like kissing one another. And it turned into a thing where like I would call my mom once a week and even though like we'd have nothing to say, it was okay because I saw that Abe called his parents every night. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so we really learned how to just function at our own pace. And, and so, and I think my parents stopped telling me what to do because they were just sort of like, oh, she's in great hands. She'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so, so our, our relationship really shifted from there. What, what, is Abe similar to or dissimilar from like anybody? I mean, did you have relationships in high school? Was there like, was it hard because you Can were you? Asian and the, nobody else was? Can I or? tell you that before Abe Foreman Greenwald walked into my life, I was a fucking mess. <laughs> oh, no. When it came to men, my yeah. longest relationship was a week. I mean, I had like one boyfriend pretty much or two boyfriends in in high school, but they were like every relationship I had was just fraught with drama Mm. and mostly because I was like, I want to marry you. And they were like, we're 15 years old or we're in college or like this is very intense. And um, because, you know, I just had so much trauma growing up that I was like, please be my world. Yeah. And um, they were like, I don't want to be your world. Or if they wanted to be my world, That's probably back, wasn't I good was either. like, no, no, no. Yeah. There's something wrong with you for wanting <laughs> to be with me. So Classic. goodbye. Classic. Um, and then Abe walked into my life and it was just easy. I guess that's true love is like it just there was never any drama. There's never been any drama with Abe. Even yeah. when there's drama, there's no drama. Yeah. Because it's just a pleasure yeah. to work on the drama yes. with him. So, um, yeah, no, I was, a, I was a fucking mess before Abe. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I did not have <laughs> strong relationships. Yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then one night we got drunk and, um, and he left his girlfriend for me. And I guess that was drama. Wow. And, um, I'm sure that she must look at the fact that you've been together for 16 years and be like, all right, I'm this sh- is probably meant to be. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think it was okay. It turned out okay. But, yeah. um, but I remember the night that we hooked up, he, we were singing in a band together. I, I don't know if you know this, but Abe was in a ska band in college. You know what? I did because I think he sent me an MP3 of something, some old recording of something that you guys did, or oh, I don't okay. know. There was just some, I did yeah, know we that. Do, and we I do love sing it. together occasionally. I love it. And um, he, so he was in a ska band and I was singing backup for him and we got drunk that night and, and made out like right before we went on stage. And I saw, I remember he was up on stage and I grabbed my friend and I pointed to him and I said, I just kissed Abe. And she was like, that's, that's great. And I said, I'm going to marry him. <laughs> um, of course, I said this about a lot of men, say, but as, I just, as I just admitted, but in this case, I really meant it. Yeah. Um, and it happened. I love it. Although when we first got together, Abe and I did not, I did not think I was going to end up married to Abe because he made it very clear he was not into marriage. 
Um, I can see that. So, but and he proposed. He, it was. You a, don't was know, a, a, but he is like. I mean, I, I'm not saying he's like uh, this every moment of every day. But my experience with with our friendship in, over the last like almost year has been just that he's so gentle and so warm and so funny. It's he's not like the guy in the ska band who's never going to get married. Like, yeah, no, he's, no, no. He's like incredibly sweet and wonderful, and uh, is a is a documentary filmmaker, and um, yeah, but. Uh, but I could see how he would be like. It was because his parents hadn't yeah. gotten married. Actually, they just got married last summer. Yeah. He's um, so like a little hippie kid. He is a little hippie kid. I get it. Which is why when he proposed to me, it was like very out of... How? When did you guys get married versus how long you'd been together? So we're celebrating our tenure this year. Okay. And uh, he proposed 11 years ago. All right. At the Grand Canyon in oh. a very unceremonious way. Oh, what? Sorry, Abe. I'm letting the world know, but it was very unceremonious. <laughs> he said, let's talk about marriage. And I said, what about it? Because we had already talked about it. And it already sounds wasn't. so much like him because it's just like, <laughs> we're going to have an open line of communication about it. Like, I'm not going to spring some ring on you. Like, yeah, it was my was, secret to keep from you. Like everyone else. He- I, I have to say, I appreciate that. I'm much more the like, let's have a, a conversation about this than like, oh my God, you were planning this for six months and I didn't have any say in it and I didn't know about it. Was, it. There, like, there, there would have been a lot of pressure well yeah. well i didn't believe it was happening as it was happening so i kept saying like are we engaged are we like where's my ring and he's like i don't have a ring and i was like i don't quite believe that we're engaged until um the next day we went to like a we went to a flea market i got a ring that is now this. like green because it's so cheap of course um and uh and then i was like can i tell my mom and he's like no and i was like then i still don't believe we're engaged <laughs> um but well, then that's when fair. We, if you can't tell your mom then that is yes. fair for you to think that but once we told my parents and his parents, like, he never, like, got cold feet or anything right. like that. It was just like, yep, done. I love that you got engaged in my home state. Oh. That's where oh, I'm from. I am from Tucson. And I did go to school uh, in Flagstaff, which is very close to the Grand Canyon. And in fact, that's the first where we night, stayed. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's probably where the flea market was. We're going back are you yes i love flagstaff we are so driving much. to santa fe and we're gonna oh, stop that's a by. great ride route 66 yeah that's a great trip and um yeah i'm sure i've told the story on the podcast before but just in case i haven't i'll give a very truncated version my first night of college ever i um like the first night like my dad dropped me off my dad uh, my my dad what my dad dropped me off um my friend Torin's dad dropped him off we were staying we were going to be living in different dorms and um and i think we were both just so like oh my god this is our first night away from home officially that we weren't even tired and we went and saw um at the university uh movie theater they were showing the wall and so Pink we got Floyd? stoned and w- and went to see the wall and which i hadn't seen for a really long time since i was a kid which i never should have seen when i was a kid because it emotionally disturbed me but uh finished watching that with a with a girlfriend of ours who had um graduated the year before and was already at school so it was kind of like acquainting us with the campus and stuff and we were like we just you know torn and i didn't want to be separated i didn't really want to go back to my dorm room i was super scared of the whole dorm experience uh-huh. and of my roommate based on the one day i had met her and we were like let's just like what do you want to do and veronica was like we i have a tent in the back of my truck and we were like let's do it and so we drove up to the grand canyon and it was cold in the fall. It's cold up there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we like huddled, we pitched this tent and huddled together in this tent, too cold to sleep, waiting for the sun to rise. And so when the sun rose, we went out onto the edge of Grand Canyon and watched the sun come up. So that was my first night of like college was spent in a tent at the Grand Canyon. That's really magical. Freezing. Yeah. 
That's so I'm nice. very, yeah, I couldn't ask for a better experience, but I love knowing that you guys got engaged up there because it has such a special place in my heart for that reason. I'm going to set the microphone down because per usual, I keep forgetting to bring the um, book over here so that we can play a game of MASH. Oh, so we can cool. find out who you could have ended up with, if not the marvelous Abe Farmer Greenwald. That's a really nice notebook. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I just got, I can't remember where I got this. I think I got it, maybe I got it in New York. Rock, Scissor, Paper uh, Company is great. They always make really great stuff. Let's do Cootie Catcher first. What? Because I haven't done this in a while. I don't even know what that is. Um, it's one of these guys. And as many listeners know, most of us don't know that it was called a cootie catcher. That is not what we ever called it. Oh, I know that. Right? I just, I don't ever remember there being a word for it, ever. I just was like, one, two, three, four. You want to play the paper thing? I don't know. Yeah. But um, but that's the name. And so Vicari made this uh, for me. So you can um, pick a pick uh, the first category would be one of these colors. Uh, I'm like mesmerized by the um the fruit i know um i'm gonna That's pick very unusual i'm gonna very pick official. grapefruit because i can't eat grapefruit because of my cholesterol medication oh interesting okay <laughs> now Pink. see technically it's p-i-n-k but i got excited about the fact that you said grapefruit so i'm gonna go g-r-a-p-e-f-r-u-i-t four one two three four three one two three we'll go one more uh two two What are three differences, for better or worse, from your teenage self? Three differences? Yep. From from who I am now, you mean? Yeah. Um, three differences. I mean, some of I, I guess still feel like I'm 16 years old. Well, I guess, me too. I guess one would be that I'm in a committed relationship. <laughs> Good one. Um, another would be that I... Mm, God, I still I do a lot of things I did when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Oh, I, I don't do drugs. Yep. I don't do drugs and I don't drink alcohol. Me neither. Um, I guess I, occasionally I'll have a glass of wine, but I mean like I have not personally had a drink in, I don't know, nine months. Oh, wow. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't do it for me. It doesn't. I, I don't need. I, I, I'll, although, you know what? I love it in like chili. And and like like booze baked goods, booze baked goods like yeah. a beer beer yeah, like a rum soaked yeah. chocolate is yeah that's up my alley. But I guess I don't, I don't know. Drink I don't it. know if I do that, but also, you know, most booze just like I get I just get tired quickly, and like red wine like stuffs me up. I definitely have like an allergy to red wine to the tannin or something. I can't really drink beer because it would have to be gluten free beer, and mm-hmm. that's not as good. And yeah, I will say the only thing that I ever have a hankering for, which is probably the last drink I had is sake. For some reason, like sake with sushi is delicious. Have you had sparkling sake? I don't think I have. I've never had it, but my friend ordered it the other night at, um, Might at a bar. Might be too and nice. champagne-y for me. I don't know. It was like a teeny tiny like fizzy yeah. <laughs> drink that she kept sipping. It was kind of fun <laughs> to watch because I kept thinking maybe it was going to overflow. Try that. I would maybe try that. Um, the third thing... I was just thinking, uh, what would it be? Um, it would be that I, uh, God, I do so many things the same as I did when I was a kid. 
I don't fight with my parents. It's good. Yeah. Same. I just, don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those things where you go, I mean, I guess it was necessary to go through that process, but now it just seems so exhausting. Like I was so like, what an exhausting thing. The battles with my mom. What yeah. an exhaust. Like I would never have the energy for that now. And what was the point? Yeah, exactly. How much got accomplished through that? No. Nothing other than nothing just got like, accomplished. Well, she hates at all me and whatsoever. she thinks I'm a piece of shit. So that's great. Um, that is not, by the way, what she thinks about me at all anymore and probably never was, but I was pretty sure that uh, she did. Um, okay, let's get into this game of MASH. Um, I'm trying to think outside the box a little bit. Uh, um, if you could, are there three types of food, three, three, um, items that you wish that were really easy for you to just make like is there i because i don't know how much cooking you actually do but are there things where you're like i would i would make that all the time if i could but i it's too hard or something like that oh god they're probably all going to be meat because abe's vegetarian and i'm not um good so there's bring it so there's nothing there's nothing i can make at home um that's that that would be easy that i yeah. and i wish i could um, I would say I I, I do love a, a meatloaf. Great. I, I wish. I mean, that's very easy to make, but it doesn't happen in my house. Fair enough. That that's a good treatment happen. of the of the of the question. I wish I could. I wish a seven layer cake was always in my Ooh. house. Just what just are the seven there. layers? Um, is it just cake frosting cake just frosting cake, yeah yeah so I, all the way up I, to seven i just i just <gasps> love opening yeah. up and like seeing like icing and cake yeah just constantly oh, me too. i'm much more into that than just plopping a big bunch of icing on the top yeah Although, don't get me wrong i i like that as well but the way that it's you're right the way that the, the taste is distributed when there's yeah. icing all the way through that's hard to argue with it's really lovely um and then the last thing would be it's very specific. There's a the, my favorite food in the entire world is Pepe's clams pizza. Oh, um, from a place in New Haven called Pepe's, and they make a white clam pizza, Yum. and you have to eat it hot out of the oven. It it doesn't it won't do well sitting overnight. Yeah, it's like linguine clam linguine and on a in pizza. pizza form it's delicious That's kind of wonderful you know what that reminds me of that i haven't had since i lived there that i very fondly remember is um like a brunch pizza at one of like the very authentic italian places in north beach mm. where there's like um like a like a sunny side up egg yes on the pizza with yes. like ba- really thick like maple bacon yes and like maybe some arugula or something and, and an egg open and you cut open that the pizza and the egg yolk runs onto the pizza Oh my, oh my god, god. It's so good. I think little Dom's is supposed to do a breakfast pizza. I'm so that's sure great. they do cuz they're like sort of the go-to yeah. of of certainly of this kind of area of the east side of Los Angeles. Um you just made me remember that so fondly. Oh, that's so good. Um okay, what about um three and by the way, if you have any music cuts that you want um, to put, like I could put on the end of this podcast, because I know you've been touring with that band. Oh, yeah. Um, if there's anything like that, like from, from yesteryear or from yeah. current times, or you and get, I should, I should give you the, the, band, the stuff like that me and Abe have done. Yeah. I'll do I'd that. I'd love to put some of that on that. That would be funny. Um, what about like an instrument that you don't play that you wish you could play? I wish I could play guitar. I try. I've tried for years. I've taken lessons. I have guitar. I can't 
do it. Okay. I can't do it. All right. Um, I wish I could play the cello. Me too. It's beautiful. It's such a special instrument. It's so heavy. <sighs> and to go along with that heavy stringed instrument, the harp. I was going to say. Yeah. It's funny. I don't. I don't know if I would just sit around and play the harp all the time, but it would be really cool to be able to play the harp. It would be really cool. I don't know <laughs> any harpists. Be, would, I, I, I have an auto harp that I, I can bust out right now. I guess they're not that many. I think there are few and far between. <laughs> um, what about if you could have as a child, I'm assuming I'm going to include Hansel and Gretel, but what about like three operas that you could have gone and toured with when you were younger? That I didn't get to? Yeah. Because in this world, you did. Yeah, so Hansel and Gretel, mm-hmm. top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen. That's a fun one. Never seen it. Really? Uh, let me go ahead and say I haven't seen most operas, so that's probably fair. Carmen's to... a good one. It's the like, music well, I'm hard-pressed is... to think about what I have seen. I've definitely seen... I've probably seen four operas in my life. I've probably seen La Boheme. I haven't seen La Boheme. Oh, you should see I, La I don't Boheme. even know what I've seen. Because I was young. Yeah, what have you seen? I'm <laughs> naming really big ones. I was really young. Um, yeah, maybe know. you saw ones that were more obscure. Maybe. Um, Madam Butterfly, maybe? Yeah, Madam Butterfly. I think I've seen Madam Butterfly. It's, 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 a, it's a beautiful opera. Um, I I would have liked to have done... Um, it's weird because I'm being so like reality-based here. I'm like, which ones are the ones with children? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um but yeah, you could go completely the opposite. I mean, it could be what opera that you wish that you could have just been into if you want. If there's um, you I want. actually, you know, did I say La Boheme? Because I actually did travel with La Boheme. So <laughs> you didn't say that... it. I have Hansel and Gretel and Carmen. Carmen. Yeah, I did not go with Carmen. Um, and I did, I, I did the ones I wanted to do after that, I must Listen say. It was, it was wonderful. I fulfilled lifelong what about dreams. Is, so what is, is there an adult one where like it would be tremendous to be, get the opportunity to do it? If, uh, if I was sense? able to do it now, mm-hmm. I would love to do Lohengrin. I don't even know what you just said. Lohengrin, Wagner. You know, the, the, the very famous wedding song that everyone... if I do. Maybe Here comes the bride. Bum, bum, oh, really? That's, that's where that's from? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Talk about one to grow on. <laughs> uh, I had no idea. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, why don't you give me um, three, uh, like... Uh, n- Places to live, like cities or countries. Okay. Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I supposed to be naming something I, that's like Please. horrible? Like a garbage truck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it that way. City dump. I like to have all of them be spectacular and ideal. And I know that there's a way to play this game where like one of them is bad, but I just can't do it. Um, I would say I really love Los Angeles and I would like to live in Malibu. Beautiful. Um, and... The third would be Hawaii. Love it. I like warm and Italian now, food. Yeah, these are good. These are, these are, listen, they're very respectable choices. Um, no one's going to question any of these choices. Uh, here's an interesting one that I've just come up with that may or may not be interesting to anyone else. What about like, this is out of context of you know, it doesn't have to be inside the context of what was going on in the era of the time frame anything like that but like what's a style of dress that you know forget about like oh suddenly lynn has to drive to an audition wearing these clothes it's not that but like what's a style of dress that you don't do now but that 
and for and, and don't worry if it would be uncomfortable or not like i'm sure a bustle is extremely uncomfortable but just a look a look that would be fun for you to have a reason to have been a part of or to to be a part of in oh some God. kind of fairy tale like suspended in unreality world i'm there i'm so there yeah okay i want to dress i want to dress goth great i want Love it. i want to dress goth yeah this opportunity has never come up for me Oh my Ever. God, maybe we gotta just like even when I was in a freaking a punk rock up band, it coming. didn't happen. There might be a dress up night coming for you and me. Oh, I would love, I would love that. Um, I really want to dress. You, the second you said uncomfortable, I, my mind just started going crazy because there's so many outfits I want to wear and I don't because I, I like to be comfortable. I've yeah, worn flip flops on the red carpet because I'm that person. <laughs> Um, because I I'll tell you right now, I wish I thought flip flops were more comfortable, but I'm such a klutz <laughs> that I always like step on the back of someone else's or I step somehow I step on the back of my own flip flop or I like I do like a weird move or like I take a big step and I flip one right off my foot and the flip flop goes flying. I mean, I'm terrible in flip flops. I would love to be wearing like big door knocker earrings in like a JLo outfit. Right. Um, I used to teach HIV education with this theater company. Uh, and we would go around to like the Bronx and stuff. And some of these girls would have these outfits that I was just like, I want to be wearing yeah. that outfit right now, but it's never going right, to happen. Right. Oh, you are doing so well at this. Um, I'm really enjoying I think just you're those earrings. come up with all these categories. Just those earrings. Yeah. They're so heavy. Yeah. I want to wear them. What a blast. Oh, I, I love that wear answer. Um, my ears are hurting as I'm <laughs> describing it. Okay. And then I would really love to wear like uh, some because I don't think this will ever happen for me is like some Downton Abbey type yeah, of outfit right. you know the Downton Abbey outfits too are so specific and so beautiful that sort of upper class 1920s like so fancy but still like look more comfortable than a lot I mean you know when yeah. Sybil even is like I'm tired of dressing like this I want to be comfortable I was thinking like Given the Edwardian stuff you're used to seeing British drama involve in England, this looks super comfortable. Like, the, it doesn't seem like you have to have that much, like, brassiere stuff going on. No. And, like, I mean, I grant you, I'm sure that all the undergarments are still crazy. But, like, st- so many of the outfits, especially at the time the seasons have gone by, that sort of fancy flapper. I like, like the fancy flapper. Fla- more fancy, more conservative, more British flapper stuff gorgeous those sailor like collars oh it's beautiful love it great choice um okay this is i'm really into this well let's just get this out of the way and um abe you gotta know that this is just how the game is played so let's give three fantasy dudes could be uh dudes that you had a crush on um in yesteryear could be people that you just have a little bit of yen for now even though you know you don't have to like really end up with them, but in, in imaginary crush land. Well, you know, what's funny was, I don't know if you knew this, but there was supposed to be a movie that was almost made where I was going to play myself and someone was going to play Abe. Oh no, I didn't know that. It was a movie version of, um, a site he worked on called the man's guide to love. And so the movie was going to be about them making it. Okay. Um, so a really fun game we often played was what movie star is going to play Abe that I get to kiss all the time. I love it. So um so ryan gosling i like right. i was always like i think ryan gosling would make a great ape would be like what <laughs> what are you 
what are you talking about? I also, like, uh, actually, who I thought would make a great A, but uh, he's a little too young. Um, it's Andrew Garfield. Oh, great. Yep. Wouldn't he make a great A? He would make a great A. Um, let's just throw Obama in there. He's a charming man. Charming, I don't disagree looking, with that. Powerful at all. man. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I gotta go. I think I gotta go superhero power with you because I'm interested in what your answers will be. Oh, you know what's funny is I actually once did a comic um, about superheroes, and my superhero power was to eat whatever I wanted without gaining a pound. I get it. That was that was the number one thing. Um, I know. I'm putting it down. That was a superhero power. Um, Then another superhero power would be. That's almost like a mutant power. Yeah, that's a mutant. Like power. somehow you'd have like a cool piece of your chrome. Like not 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 even that you don't gain weight. That it doesn't affect your health negatively in yeah. any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's not that about you could weight. Just it's just like, about health. Yeah, yeah. How you f- and you could feel like wonderful. Yeah, like that after eating four slices of cakes and half a dozen donuts, you didn't want to like crawl As up into a ball and, and sleep. I love it all day. You would just like want to fight fires. You know. I love it. Um, I would love to be able to stop time. Mm, like like what's her name evie from from yeah. out of this world you know what yeah. i'm talking about I do. there's there's many times <laughs> i can't believe you just brought up i feel like there are what's other d- people who can stop time and the fact that you brought but no up no evie her this world is her, genius her and steve burton from days of our lives <laughs> um, oh, didn't she just put her two fingers she put her fingers together i feel like there's stops. been many times in my life where i where yeah. i like have subconsciously put Did you two see fingers that Miranda together july movie Oh yes, yes. Right? Yes, yes. Why am I blanking on what it was called? Um not uh um oh god, what was it called? With the cat, Papa. Yeah. Um I that movie. Her. I know we just talked about that on I just talked about that with someone else, but um of Michaela, I think. Um what is that movie called, guys? It's making me crazy. I gotta just look it up really quickly. I feel like it's called like the something. You can tell me what the um uh, other last superpower, superpower yeah. is? Um, I would love to travel the future through time. Yeah, the future. Oh, the future. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I would love to travel (laughs) to the future. Yes, Um, I would love to travel through time. But I would like to add to that. It would have to be with with Abe or with someone like I need. I can't do it by myself. That's so lonely. Yes, that was always so lonely for Michael J. Fox. Yeah, no, it was. Well, I mean, he had Doc Brown. Yeah, but it was Doc Brown in another era. Have you read? This is like I've if I've not brought this up before on the podcast, there's something wrong with me because it is. It it remains somehow one of my favorite books. Not because it's like so um, emotionally like intense, but just from from like a great adventurous fun read Mm -hmm. kind of point of view. Um, Have you read um, uh, Time and Again? No. I've never heard okay. of Time and Again. Time and Again is, guys, I don't think I've brought this up before, but it's such a great fun book. Time and Again is um, by a guy named Jack Finney. It was written in the 70s, I think. And it is, you've got to read it, you'll love it. It is about um, this guy who becomes part of a government uh, project uh, where they have figured out that it's it's kind of, I think the, the movie Somewhere in Time, I think was like, maybe I did talk about this with like Christina Hendricks or someone, but... Um, it's I think this it's the same time travel principle, which is that if you if you can basically self hypnotize to believe that it's possible to kind of walk through this portal in time that you can. And so and it takes a very special kind of person. But basically, this guy lives 
the life of someone in turn of the century New York um, in the Dakota uh, because that's a building that has stood. So there are different places in the world where um, things are so much the same as they were for a certain time period uh-huh. that they serve as a sort of a portal into that time period. That's so the Ghostbusters he, like, building too, dresses, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dresses in the appropriate attire. He's reading old newspapers. He's using old money. Like they're he just gets food delivered to him as he sort of just like lets himself believe like this is what first it starts out like this is what would have been happening in this time frame this is like isn't it possible that i'm there isn't it possible and so he find he gets back to turn of the century new york and so he is a turn of the century new york it's like right around i think it's like the maybe the teens at most okay maybe earlier maybe the 1800s late 1800s but um so he describes what New York City was like um, in that time frame. And there's sketches and there's old photographs. And so you really get this amazing history lesson as to what New York was like then. Mm-hmm. And it is stunning. It's so cool. Like what buildings existed and what didn't. And the fact that like that when the Dakota was built and, you know, the Museum of Natural History was built and Central Park existed. Yeah. There was still like a farm with goats and pigs and stuff. Next door. That's awesome. In New York. It's just cool. And yeah. it's a great adventure story. And it's it's just charming. I, I highly recommend it. Um, on my okay. list. Put it on the old list. JV Book Club. Uh, take a listen because uh, this applies to you. So we got to make sure that gets added to the JV Book Club list, which, by the way, I don't know whether even there is a, much of a JV Book Club, but <laughs> apparently there is. Um, uh, all right. Uh, what about like a, like a pet, like a magical pet, oh, not magical, like a, like a, like a, pet. you know, like a, a pet that you wouldn't normally get to have in real oh, life. Oh man. I had, I, I've always been obsessed with turtles because I'm obsessed with Judy Bloom. Oh, so good call. Tales of fourth grade, nothing. So good. There was a turtle. I had a turtle freshman year of college that was killed by a prefrosh. Oh, I want, no. yeah, I want that turtle back. I want Delilah back. Delilah. Got it. Delilah. I want her back. Okay. She only lived a year. Turtles are supposed to live forever. Yeah. She should still be alive. Oh, short but sweet. Freaking prefrosh. Delilah. <laughs> um, so I, I want my turtle. I want her back. Got it. She ate strawberries. It was really, it was really adorable. Little turtle mouths are real cute. Watching <laughs> turtles eat is real cute. It was really cute. Um, um, I would love a... I do... I, I, I love dogs. I mean, I know it's so generic and i have a dog and you love my dog i love your dog yeah, i love no worries. i just i just always want a dog in my life yeah julius is um, great. your dog is my so dog cute. is perfect my dog is perfect yeah that's how i feel about i, I want julius to last forever and it's not going to happen i'm gonna just put julius forever as one of these julius forever that sounds like a yeah like a judy bloom book right it there does. It does. uh the turtle and the dog uh living forever and um you know, I really wish I wasn't allergic to cats. Yeah. So that I could have a cat. Um, any particular kind of cat? A really hairy one. A really hairy <laughs> furry one that I've like never been allowed to touch. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to come up with one last one because I'm loath to stop this game with you. Your answers have been wonderful. <laughs> um, thank you. Any category. Hey, I've never done this before. Is there a category you can think of that would be fun to um, give me three things for? Oh, um, maybe 
God, I'm thinking about like how lovely this room is and how maybe there's there's times when I watch movies. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to be there. Oh my I God. Be in that oh room. Oh my God. Yes. First of all, that's great. And second of all, I'm sorry that everything that we've talked about, I guess I'm not sorry because it's awesome, but like there's all these great resources that are coming up as we're having these conversations. Do you go to, do you, uh, go to Design Sponge ever? Yes. Sponge, the, the website? yes. 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 So you know that they have this thing called living in every week. Oh, yes. 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 They do. They, there's a girl yes. who does a, a column that's called living in and she puts stills up of different movies. Oh, but it's always like, you know, each week it's a different movie. And so it'll be like living in Downton Abbey. And then she'll like show you all these things that you can get and go or go by that kind of create that mood of that room or of that, you know, that feeling of that movie. It's brilliant design sponge.net i've obviously i've had grace bonnie on as a guest um she's wonderful and it's such a great element of that thing so so that's it so yes. a, so give me three movies that you could live in and what a great category i gotta use that again well co- coming off of desi- design sponge because it's, it's in my head yeah um is ha- uh something she did pretty recently which was true beverly hills oh that's hilarious because then i, I would be it. eating the Girl Scout cookies oh, also. See, food God. is involved there. I know. Girl Scout cookies are so good. Um, I really want to be in um, Amadeus. Mm, um, great. Specifically in that room with all the food. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wait, is Marie Antoinette going to be next? Yeah. There's a lot of pastries in that movie. There, there are a lot of pastries in that movie. Okay, I'll try to think of something that's not... Um, like that. I'll, I'll even, you know what? I'll even, I'll even throw, I'll throw, I'll throw in a TV show. Mm-hmm, I'll throw mm-hmm. in a TV show. I'm gonna throw in, I'm gonna throw in Carrie Bradshaw's oh, apartment. Adorable. adorable. Sex in the City, and I want Chinese food. Oh, I just, I, you know, you didn't have to add in the food part, but I. Just oh my did. god, this is great! No, this is great. <laughs> and what are you eating in that room? I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I, I love think it. specifically her apartment in the winter when the heat is cranked up way yeah. too high. Yeah. So she has to wear like a tank top. Oh, or I a, have to wear a tank top. But I am Carrie Bradshaw. She, her adorable <laughs> little figure is so. You know what I love? I was just thinking that because. Um, I was uh, sometimes when I'm working on Sketchfest stuff and it's accounting and it's really boring, I'll be like, what can I put on the background that almost makes me feel like I'm not working, even though I'm totally working? It's something, it has to be something I've seen a million times because can't I can't really it. focus on it. And I do, uh, podcast listeners, I do confess that I do listen to oh, like old Sex in the City episodes. And I was just thinking the other day, because I had one on, um, Listen, I'm I'm unabashedly a fan of the show. I think it's a great show. I there was a time at which like when it was first on, I was a total snob about it and I was like, "Please, I will never like that show." I didn't get into it until like season 6. Yeah, or me whatever. too. And then now I love it and now I look back and I'm like, it was such an important show. I mean, it really talked about things that nobody else was really talking about goofy, silly, weird things that happen in relationships. And I think it's such a special show for that reason. Um but I was also going to say that I just love I do love each of those women's figures for entirely different reasons. Like they were like Sarah Jessica Parker's body is absurd. It is absurd. And I grant you that there are no like quote unquote normal sized women on the show because Hollywood still sucks. And like, it's just not something you see very often. Um, But when all said and done, they were like, they were slender women, but they were like normal shaped women. I mean, Kim Cattrall was pretty extreme, but like, I don't know. I just appreciate, like, I don't know. Charlotte wasn't, like, cut. You know what I right. mean? She had, like, beautiful womanly hips. I don't know. It just made me happy. It made me happy um, as well. 
and that they did a fair amount of eating on the show. Uh, okay, tell me when to stop. My phone is ringing. Stop. Okay. Um, hang on just a second because I need to get rid of the phone call and I'm going to do the count and we'll come back. And- All right. I realized as I was doing this that I'm, I'm so excited about, I was so excited about any of these things, uh, I was about to say coming true. <laughs> I'm so excited about any of these things coming true. They're all they're all happening. They're all happening. But this is like a really good one. Um, I always don't know where to start. This is especially true with this one. I'm going to start with the one that I was most disappointed by. I really would have loved for you to get Delilah or to have Julius forever. But as it turns out, you have a very, very fuzzy cat. You just have a very fuzzy cat. So, Lynn, what can I say? That's the uh, To me, that's the most disappointing. All of these other ones are gold. Yeah. So I just want to get out of the way. You have a very fuzzy cat. Okay. I'm sure you love it very much. Yeah. It's no Julius. No. But that's okay. <laughs> but, I mean, in this let's, let's get real. In life... I'm probably going to end up having a fuzzy cat before I'm going to end up having Julius forever. That's probably true. Or, or Delilah That's back. You can't true. bring the turtle back it's from the, the dead. It's the most realistic. It's yeah. the most realistic. Because all these are answer. happening. Um, what, what I will say is cool is that anytime you want, you and Abe can go back through time <gasps> to visit Delilah and Julius. Oh, my God. So See, that actually ended up being really good because I went all three. You did get all. It's three. It's like I wished for a million wishes. <laughs> you did. You totally <laughs> got all three on that one. So well done, you. Um, I wasn't even thinking that. Of course, when I say Abe, I mean Abe, but I kind of also mean Andrew Garfield. Ah! <laughs> sorry, sorry for, so, for your ears. Um, that's exciting. That's a that's a good that's a <laughs> nice situation as that's, well. That's Very pretty nice exciting. situation. Um, He's such a nice guy. I can I can just imagine him and Abe getting along really it's well. Gonna it's going to work fine. out great between the it's three of you. You guys are going to be just <laughs> fine. Um, the other thing that I want to say is, perhaps not surprisingly, you live in a mansion. <gasps> and I say not surprisingly because it's not anywhere that you can have that room from Amadeus <gasps> with all of that food. So you have this mansion that includes <laughs> that room and all of its resplendence. I hope I'm dressed in the right all outfit. Food. Well, you're not goth and you're not wearing door knocker earrings. So yes, you are because you are dressed in Downton Abbey-esque attire. This is obviously all going to happen. I know. Really, really good. Did I mention... And it's possible that... Um, I don't know. I think that's interesting that uh, I, I don't know if it was like during your time touring with Carmen that you kind of got a feel for these beautiful uh, clothes and these beautiful uh, appointed rooms that you've fallen in love with. But surely you had a good time doing that. And yes. I'm not sure. I mean, it's weird because like here you are touring with an opera, but at the same time, you're an accomplished cellist. <gasps> I know. I told so you romantic. All of the best ones are coming yes. through in this. All of the best ones. Uh, that leaves us with just a couple more pieces of information. Number one is that um, you would maybe think that all of this would be happening in Tuscany, but I have to tell you, it hits a little closer to home because all of this is happening in Malibu. Beautiful, which is Malibu. more realistic. I know. And, you know, listen, all of this is, most of this is realistic, but uh, feel free, by the way, to time travel through Tuscany. Um, <laughs> you've, again, the time travel with someone has basically made all of your your dreams come true and yes. all of your wishes. And, um, and the last thing I'm going to finish up with is uh, 
I cannot wait for you to have me over to your mansion in Malibu. Um, all of this great stuff going on and all of the, all of the beautiful fancy food that is there in Amadeus, probably my favorite thing. And we'll have to figure out a gluten-free version is that I will be enjoying Peppy's clams pizza (gasps) as prepared by you whenever you want, because you have the seat, you've unlocked the secret to that flavor and you can have it in Malibu in your mansion whenever you want. This is I'm sure there's a lot of very envious people right now. I'm among them. This is one of the most impressive mash turnouts ever, but also you gave really great thoughtful answers. So you have yourself to thank for that. Thank you. You know, I just put it out there in the universe and in like five or six (laughs) months, um, I will be purchasing the Getty Villa. Get and that's <laughs> done and done. And my it's personal just sh- sitting there waiting for you to move on in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh god, I can already see it. I can already see it happening. Lynn, this has been so much fun. I'm so excited that we got a chance to do this, and I'm so loath to finish this podcast, which I'm going to do because it's been an hour and a half. The podcast is just getting more and more long <laughs> as the months go by. Um, particularly since I have to return a call from my agent telling me that I did not get a job. You don't know that. Uh, I guess I don't. But you don't know that. I sure know what that heart-crushing disappointment feels you like. Know it? And I look forward to feeling it in just moments. Here's here's the thing. Let's say you get it. Then you're going to eat one of those. If you're I get one it, of those, I'll eat one and of then, those. And then if you don't, you're going to be relieved that you don't have to eat one of those. You're right. Of course, we're talking about <laughs> the uh, Passover sampler. <laughs> Which one will I eat if I get one? If you have I to get eat the this. saddest one, the jelly thing. Oh God, I don't know if I can bring myself. See, see how happy you're going to be if if oh, it's, it's a win-win situation. Oh God! All right, um, I'll report back on that. No, you know what? I won't report back on it because I don't want to have to say to the world that I didn't get this job that I really wanted. Um, uh, all right, thank you so much for uh, doing the podcast. That was a serious, serious joy. I'm not kidding. I don't know why I would be kidding. Um, and uh, please check out uh, both blogs, The Actor's Diet and... Um, Thick Dumpling Skin. Thick Dumpling Skin. I love the name of that podcast. And uh, and thanks again for doing the podcast, Lynn. Thank you. All right, talk to you guys next time. Always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.